Welcome, brothers and sisters. It is the last lesson of a long <coughs> few decades of gospel doctrine, right, in the same format that we've had. Um, I'm excited about the change that's coming up because in the next few weeks, you guys have to do all the teaching and all the studying. And so if you need some books, come on by the house. Um, but this is, this is kind of the last lesson of the year, and it's the last lesson of this format from forever that I could remember. So uh, that makes me sad. I always have a lot to say, and uh, you're always nice to listen. So I'm sad about uh, the, the change that I won't be able to be teaching in this format, and I'm excited about the new one that you guys get to do all the studying. I don't know if you've picked up on that yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> so um, anyway, so, so I'm grateful to be here. So today's lesson is, uh, I'm going to go off book. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah. You, of course, even if you weren't. Uh, yeah. uh, we're supposed to be covering a little bit of Zechariah and Malachi, so I will do that, and then I'm going to do uh, a little bit on uh, ramping up into the New Testament, so I'm going to do a little bit on the intertestamental period. So it's a little bit of a history lesson, so I apologize to all two of you who hate stories, but um, if, if I said history, you'd hate it, but if I said stories, you'll like it. So, so I wanted to go through some stuff. I think it will give us a better jumping off point to jump into the New Testament. And so I want to do that. But first, I want to make sure we do cover a little bit of what's going to happen in Zechariah and in Malachi. Um, but there's actually a bunch of prophets that we don't really cover at the very end. And so I thought we'll just kind of go through those. This is really weird with, like, the bookends, yeah, right? So I'll present to all of you. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. So... So what I, th uh, what I wanted to show was a couple things just historically of who else is talking right now then how the Old Testament is set up. Uh, and it will make a little bit more sense maybe or when you can't remember because we just don't really study these books very often. So at the end, you have like a block of um, which we know we have the law, right? And then the prophets. Um, and then you have what's called the, um, the wisdom literature. And it's kind of just an old way that group all the books of the Old Testament together. Does anybody remember what books go in the law? Yeah. The first five. Yeah, the Pentateuch, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the five or pent, it's good that we're using the Greek there uh, to make it confusing. So what are those? Genesis, help me out. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yeah, some of your favorites, right? I, the other day I was talking to somebody like, oh, Leviticus is my favorite. <laughs> I love those purity laws. Must have been in your I know it was on a it was on a come follow me discussion board, and I thought they must be kidding. But um, sure, okay. Anybody know uh, any of the examples of who the prophet who the books are that we group into the prophets? Let's do the others first. What's in wisdom literature? What are the wisdom the books in the Old Testament that we group with? Psalms, Psalms, yeah. Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Um, no, no, I wish. There's not that much wisdom there. <laughs> and, and so the reason I did that is because everybody else is in their prophets. <laughs> and they're all the names, right? So they're all the names except for a few. Um, Joshua, um, Judges, and then, um, and then you get all the, everyone's name that ends in Ayah, like Isaiah, right? And, and just a bunch of names, because it's usually named after the prophet or the period of time that it was in. So they're, they're all those guys. So that's kind of that's how it goes. Okay, so it's kind of just a grouping. Now, if you are Jewish, uh, the Jewish Bible is ordered differently than ours is. 
and it ends in Chronicles. And so Chronicles is a, is a history that goes back and tells the story over again, and it takes out some of the negative story, like the whole Bathsheba David story is not included. The David and Goliath story isn't included. It's kind of a quick pass through history, and it ends with Chronicles because it's going to end up as an overview. We're going to go tell that story again, and let's go through it all. But for Christians, the Bible is structured where we've got the Pentateuch, and then some prophets, and then some wisdom literature, and then some more prophets, okay? Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, but what it's trying to do is it's trying to lead us to, a, to certain stories. So if I, if I gave us a, a synopsis, a few of the things that it's going to tell us about here um, are going to be the creation and the fall, right? And then it's going to get into the covenants that are going to be made. So that's kind of the first five books. So all the rules. I'm reading the most hilarious book right now. You would not find it hilarious, but it is hilarious. And it is a guy called um, The Year of Living Biblically. And he tries to take every rule that's written in the Bible and follow them. I told you about it. Um, his name's uh, AJ something, uh, Jacob something. And he's totally agnostic when he starts. He's like, I don't know. I just thought this would be an interesting project. And so he can't say any of the days of the week. So he's at work and he's like, we'll do that on the fourth day of the week. Because he can't say the name of another god. Thursday is named after Thor, right? So he can't, he can't say it. And just in the last chapter, he learned that he, he tries to pick one new thing to do every day. And he's got this big list he's trying to follow. And he goes to Central Park. And he's like, we have to stone adulterers. And he's, he's, he's sitting there, his beard's gotten really long, because it's just not to shave the, just cut the sides of your beard. And so he's sitting on a park bench, and there's this old crotchety guy next to him, and he's talking to him, he's like, why are you dressed so weird? He's like, well, I'm trying to live biblically. He's like, well, what are you working on now? And he's like, well, I'm supposed to stone an adulterer. And he's like, well, I'm an adulterer. <laughs> so, so he's like, you're going to stone me? And he goes, well, just with these little rocks. And he just got some pebbles. <laughs> so, so he's like, first he drops one on his foot. And the guy's like, come on, you can do better. And they get in this big fight because he goes, they're absolutely mad. And he says, by the end, I was throwing little rocks at him and throwing them off his chest. I was crying. I was like, oh, the Old Testament's so funny. <laughs> so, um... So anyway, a good way to remember, uh, the Old Testament is full of rules. It's full of rules that are impossible um, to follow. Uh, but at the end here, we're getting into the prophets. And one of the things that the prophets are all going to testify about is something that's coming up in the future. Do you guys remember what it is? Any ideas? What could it be? What was it? Yeah, the, this Messiah that's going to come, right? This Messiah. Um, and he's going to come, and he's going to set things right. What is he going to set right? Are they living at any given time in history? Have the 12 tribes or Judah been living in a really great golden age of rulership and kingdoms and no oppressive people? So what, one of the things that they're looking to, to reset is the government, right? What else? Uh, I was just going to say he would set them free. He'd set them free. Right? He's going to set them free. In fact, they keep calling him the Lord of Hosts. Um, and hosts is a, is a weird word we don't use anymore. Um, but it's better to say like the Lord, or like the, the, um, the ruler of the armies. Okay? Hosts means like the armies. So he's the, he, that's what they call him. Right? So they're waiting for this king that's going to come and he's going to be the, the leader of the armies. So he's going to free them, in some ways politically, right? They always look back to David. 
Remember the gold? Remember how great it was with David when nobody was picking on us and we were able to have commerce and trade and everybody wasn't being beaten up by their neighbors? Oh, the good old days. Um, yeah, it was, it was gold names. They lasted for about 13 seconds, right? But at least it was there. So they were thinking about that. Anything else about this Messiah that they were excited about? Justice. What do you, and what, what does that mean? Tell me what that means. Yeah. Yeah, I love that word. It's going to finally be fair, right? The people that keep getting dissed or stuff doesn't work out for them, it's like, well, I'm going to make it fair, right? And I think we all think that in our lives. And it's just, it's not that fair. I can think of a thousand examples, right? It's not that fair. I mean, not everyone can be as good looking as me, so I know you're looking at me thinking that's just not fair. <laughs> um, uh, but, but kidding aside, we live in a world, right, that we think it's not that fair, right? Evil people prosper. Um, the, the mean people get the good jobs. The good guy fails. Nice people get sick, right? Bad things happen to good people. You're like, hey, I'm waiting for justice. I'm waiting for fair. And so I can't wait until someone's going to come and he's going to do it. Now, something else about this Messiah, right? He's a king. And we don't really live with kings anymore. But he is going to rule. He's going to be in charge of the country. He's going to be in charge. So they're like, okay, there's going to be this Davidic king, this Messiah that's going to come, and he's going to rule. He's going to set people free. And there's lots of other prophecies. But all the prophets are telling that. All right, good job. Let's jump to these prophets at the end, because I have more to say. It's more interesting than that. Um, so these prophets kind of go in big chunks. I'm going to write free chunks. I don't know why I'm writing on this side of the board. Dissing me over here a little bit. If I was left-handed. Well, we have guests. I want to make sure they flew off. <laughs> but there's this group of prophets. This is my arbitrary three chunks. Okay, so this is just me. But these three chunks, there's kind of these group that's kind of, uh, the, say, pre, pre-Jerusalem days. So these are like the uh, Joshua's, and you kind of finally get up to Samuel, all the way through Judges. So they're kind of establishing Canaan. They get into Canaan, and they kind of get there. There's this group. Um, they're the really old, <coughs> old time stories, right? So right when they get there, they're these guys. Then there are all these prophets, some of them, that go through the northern kingdom, and some go through the southern. And they're all saying, hey, Babylon is coming, or Assyria, right? And it's going to be bad. Big frowning face. Warning, 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 right? There's a little bit of hope, but it's bad. It's bad. Can you think of any of the prophets from there? Help me out. Tom had one. I did? Oh, you're, you look like it. Oh, I look really. He was like, you could pretty much say any of them at this point. Isaiah. It's, Isaiah, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. We only did five weeks of Isaiah, right? <laughs> Isaiah. Anybody else in there? Jeremiah. 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 Right at the end. Anybody else? Nehemiah. Joshua's in this other group. I just left them before that. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. I, I'm actually going to do him in the next group. Job. Job is actually outside of this. He's not even a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've read the story. He's not even Hebrew. So we don't know who he was. Um, yeah. Who threw that out? That was cool. <laughs> that was cool. I mean, it's hard because I know, you know he's, trying to, you know, he's trying to stump me. He knew it. He was trying to stump me. 
and I appreciate that you give me crap in class. So, new guy, I, thank you for that. Anybody else? Anybody else in this period of time where they're like, hey, doom is coming? Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel, good. Ezekiel's down here. Uh, who else? Jonas. Jonas, yeah, good. Um, Jonah, Jonas in in the Greek. Um, Amos, right? Um, good. Okay. So there's this long group of people, and they're saying the same thing. And this is right when we hate Lehi, right? All in this period. And it's a, it's a few hundred years, so it's not a short period of time. But they go over and over and over these stories. Now, the majority of the Old Testament is written in this time. Then it's written and tells the story from before. So they're writing it now and saying, oh, yeah, remember back when this stuff happened? So... That you, have you ever wondered in the book of Genesis, like chapter 11 or 12, they get to the Tower of Babel, which is the Hebrew word for Babylon? Isn't that weird? They're named the same thing? Because it's these guys writing it, going, there was this city, we'll call it Babylon, because it'll, it'll, it'll make more sense to you, right? So they're tying it back to something from their day, okay? The city of Babel, they are naming um, back so that it makes sense those people understood Babylon. Probably was named something else. Okay, so today we find ourselves. Was that weird? I can see you're like, that's not true. <laughs> it was a good name, Laura. They just kept using it. Like Philadelphia. Okay. Um, the third group is where we find ourselves, and that is after the exile, after the kingdoms have been split, and then the northern kingdoms long gone in 722, and then 586, the southern kingdom is destroyed, and they go off into Babylon. We're now a good hundred or so years after that, okay? And this is when we find ourselves here. And that's when we're gonna, I, I wrote them down because I wanted to put them in an order. Um, but you're gonna get uh, Nehemiah, Haggai, your favorites, Zechariah, uh, Malachi, and I forgot Ezra, in here somewhere. Um, and you also get es uh, Esther. Okay, Esther happens in that time, although not a prophet. Not because she's a woman, it's because it has nothing prophetic in it. Um, so, so you get this story. So this is all happening after. So Persia's in charge of the world. And the king is called Cyrus. And he's called Cyrus the Great. I'm guessing he named himself that. Right? <laughs> and he takes over the known world. He's out of basically Iraq, right, is where uh, Cyrus is out of. And he has a, a really great plan. And he says, you know, um, he, he sees a prophecy in Isaiah that he's going to send them back. He says, that is such a good idea. If God is telling me to do it, I'm going to do it. So he sends, he says, you guys are okay to go back to Jerusalem and, and Judea and resettle it. And I want you to put the temple back together. And in fact, he opens the treasury and says, here's all the stuff that we took. You can take it back. You can take it back and set it up. And he does that not just in Jerusalem, but he does it all over because he's trying to say, hey, we need to respect all the gods of all the different places around the world. So we're going to send people back out. Also, instead of just destroying them and crushing them, he wants to build an empire. So he has this different structure, <laughs> right? So that's why he's called Cyrus today. So he sends back some of these guys. Now, at the time he sends them, uh, Nehemiah and Ezra go back. And Nehemiah gets back there. And what's there? 
Is the temple still there? No. No, but the altar, where the altar was, people, are, people still live there. And when they destroy the city, they don't destroy everybody. And they only take the really, like, the rich ones. So there are some peasants and people that have been living there all along. And they've been still sacrificing at the altar. But they haven't built it up. Okay? So some of these people returning uh, come back. Now, we know at one point there were about 20,000. Um, and then the next generation, there are 40,000 in about 80 years. So it's really small. This isn't like the great exodus back. Most are like, you know, Babylon's pretty great. Um, I told you about Babylonian tacos last time. So they didn't leave because of the great food. Uh, Babylon, Babylon was the place to live. So they, they grew up there. They lived there. It was a world power. They weren't oppressed. They were like, uh, yeah, Jerusalem's great. We should go back. You should go back. You know, we'll stay here. So not very many people go back. When they get there, some of the people that never left are praying at the altar and sacrificing. And Nehemiah is like, well, hmm. And uh, Ezra is the guy that really builds the temple. Ezra comes along and says, well, we're going to rebuild the temple. Now, these two groups don't get along. And well, we've been here this whole time. And the group coming in is like, yeah, but you're not like the pure blood ones. You're like the muggles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it too many metaphors? <laughs> the, muggles. the muggles of Jerusalem. The mixed, the mixed bloods, the mud bloods. That's the right word. Um, so they show up and there's a fair amount of animosity. Additionally, there's no city wall anymore. So Nehemiah takes a little walk and he goes around the city and he says, you know, if we could get everybody to work together, we could get some civic pride and we could build up the wall. And so Nehemiah builds up the wall. He gets the people together and they work uh, day and night for 52 days and they only take the Sabbath off. And they put everything in and uh, people are, are taking mortgages on their homes and they are going into debt to build the, the city back up. And uh, Nehemiah finds out that the, um, the bankers are gonna charge interest and in an un that he chastises them, he says, I get so mad. He goes, I, I, uh, one of my favorite quotes from him, he says, I counseled with myself. I was like, I got so mad I went home, I was gonna kill him. And I counseled with myself, and I came back, and I just had a good chat. And so he comes back for counseling with himself, and they forgive all the debt. And they said, okay, so they, they're working together, and they're working together to do this. Now, there's a group that's living up north. And they're living, the capital of the south is Jerusalem, and the capital of the north is, does anybody remember? Is right. It starts with, and ends in Samaria. Mm -hmm, Samaria. And Samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom. And that's where we get the term Samaritans, right? And up there is the tribes of Joseph and, and others, the ten. But they have really been up there for hundreds of years at this point, And they've intermarried and they've done different things. But they're still um, sacrificing and worshiping. And they have um, a temple on Mount Gerizim, um, which is where Joshua crossed into the promised land. So they're like, well, this is where it happened. And so we'll build an altar there. And these new, to them, Jews come back. And they say, oh, well, we want to help build the temple in Jerusalem. I mean, we got this one, but we would love to help restore it. And what do the new guys say? No, thank you. We don't like you. And thus begins <laughs> the 500-year war between Samaria and, and the South. They're like, we wanted to help you. And they're like, oh, you're like not like us. And... 
you've been intermarrying and you don't worship like us and you're out. So at that point, this is when this break really happens. Okay. Now it's important because we're going to see this in Jesus' time, right? And in fact, they're going to talk about uh, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, they're going to talk about where the right place to worship is, the same issue, okay, where the right place to worship. So I just bring it up so that a story, one, one story will make sense to you. This was worth, worth our time. Okay, so Nehemiah, um, let's read a couple of other things that Nehemiah uh, has to say. Um, Nehemiah is worth a read. I uh, read it again recently, okay, this morning, and, um, oh no, I'm going to do Zechariah. Let's do Zechariah instead. And, uh, and they're, they're really easy to read, and there is a ton of prophetic uh, utterances going on. Now, what happens with these prophets is, yeah, they're going to tell them what to do with all this building, but they, you see almost all of them are some kind of apocalyptic literature, meaning something that's going to happen in the future. It could be the Messiah's first coming or the Messiah's second coming. But they're going to talk a lot about that. So, so interesting to us, isn't it? Aren't we living in the exact same timeline as the first coming? Right? That we're waiting for the Messiah to come. We have some expectation of what it's going to be like. We're probably wrong. Right? If the New Testament is any indication, we might not have it quite right. But we're waiting and we're preparing. And then when he comes, we're like, hey, what's it going to be like? And here are these prophets, and they're going to tell us what it's going to be like. Now, they're going to sometimes say the first coming and sometimes the second. But Zechariah is going to do about half of his uh, book is prophetic. He has all these dreams. Um, yeah. Um, in, in like eight years, we'll go over it. But he has these dreams, and they kind of go, they, they're really weird. It's like a woman in a basket and guys with storks' wings. and They're like your dreams, but they're like your dreams. And so they're weird, but there are parts of it that the, um, that the angel will tell him what it makes, what it is. But let me, um, let me go to a couple of prophecies um, that I think are important. Let's go to Zechariah 6 and... Let's do 12. So 6, 12. Um, remember, they're just coming back. It's just a few thousand, 20,000 people. It's, it's not what it used to be. There's, they haven't quite built the temple yet. It's, it's pretty bad. And uh, Zechariah is there, and he has this dream. And in it, he, uh, here is uh, one of the things he's told to tell Joshua, who's going to be the high priest at the time. Zerubbabel is kind of the leader, and Joshua is going to be the high priest. And so he keeps having these instructions to the two guys. So anybody read for me 6, 12, Zechariah? Yeah. And speak unto him, saying, Thus, saith, uh, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yeah, makes sense. Somebody named the branch. <laughs> Clears mud. Do you remember another prophet that talked about a branch, a shoot, a growth? Oh, Isaiah. And so who is this branch that's going to rebuild the temple? Stem of Jesse. The stem of Jesse. Yeah. This king that's coming back from David's line, right? Jesse's David's dad. So the same Messiah king that's going to come, and he's the branch, the new one that is going to build the temple. Okay, so he's going to do it. Now, the guy at the time is named Joshua. 
which is our, they don't have a J in Hebrew. So his name is Joshua, which is the same name as Yeshua, which is Jesus. So the guy who's going to rebuild the temple right now in Zechariah's time is named Jesus. And the guy who's going to rebuild the temple in the future is named Jesus. That's, that's, just, that's just lucky. Not well. <laughs> well, the temple's there, right, when Jesus is there, but maybe in that second coming. Okay, so interesting. So he tells that one. Um, he, uh, man, there's a lot here. But let's, um, uh, one of my favorite parts, though, is prophecy of these northern tribes that are going to be um, regrouped, right? They're going to be gathered in. Somebody read for me Zechariah 10, 7, 8, and 9. So they've been scattered. And then there's going to be a, there's, this is one of the great crosses we have with the gathering. Does anybody have Zechariah 10, 7 through 9? Please, Beth. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their hearts shall rejoice as through wine. Yea, their children shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. I will hiss for them and gather them, for I have redeemed them. And they shall increase as they have increased. And I will sow them among the people, and they shall remember me in far countries. And they shall live with their children and turn again. What is this talking about? Did you guys catch it? This one's a lot to unpack. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man. Who hears from the tribe of Ephraim? That's weird. Okay. And their hearts shall rejoice as through rock stars. I mean wine. And... <laughs> and their children shall see it and be glad, and I will hiss for them. Who's, what, what? Hiss for them. What does that mean? This is the Lord speaking, and in the last days, he's going to redeem Ephraim. He's going to hiss for them. Yeah, he's going to call for them, but it's not going to be a shout. It's going to be a hiss. Hey, over here. Psst, over here. Okay, it's more like a YouTube video, but they couldn't put that in. So it's a hiss, right? The church is going forth, and Ephraim is coming in, and they're like a mighty man. Did you know there are more uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints than there are Jews today? We do now. And I will sow them among the people. Aren't, aren't we part of every nation? Yeah. Every nation. We are in every nation, and they shall remember me in far countries, and they shall live with their children and turn again. They shall turn again. Flip over to the very last of the Old Testament, Malachi. Malachi 4, 6. What's going to happen in Malachi 4, 6? Somebody have that one? You know this one. Read it for me, Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with the curse. And he shall turn them again. He will turn their hearts. Right? Malachi's going to sum up the whole Old Testament with the last three verses. Ready for this? You didn't know that it read like a book, but it is. It's a good synopsis of the entire thing. The two verses before. Remember ye the law of Moses. Remember the law. And I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. And his statutes and judgments. Remember the law and the prophets. Right? Remember this whole other two-thirds of the Bible. Remember that. Because it's going to lead up into this whole story. And before, uh, and behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of this great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
and he shall turn their hearts. Right? That everyone can be saved. The whole goal of gospel is in those three verses. Right? And he's saying, okay. And from then, you turn the page, and how does it work out? Now, Jerusalem's been rebuilt, and they're like Pharisees and Sadducees and Rome. Makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> All right, let's do a quick recap of, of those. Um, it's about 500 years between that page and the next page in the Bible. Do you guys know what was happening in 1518, two, 500 years ago? Wikipedia does. I looked it up. <laughs> 15, 15, it's almost Gutenberg, and it's just after Columbus, right? So Magellan sets sail. Hernan Cortez enters Mexico for the first time, right? Magellan's on a boat. Um, the Chinese start using cannons for the first time, and I go like this one. In Strasbourg, Germany, they get a plague called the Dancing Plague, and they dance so far that they die. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was awesome that that made the news. And the very first gunshot wound that occurred in the death occurred in 1519. So gun violence continues. Um, it didn't say anything about the Second Amendment in Wikipedia. Um, but really different. If you think back to 500 years ago, how different was it to that than today? They're riding in boats, right? If you get sick, you get a leech. A lot like now, right? Right? A lot like now. Nothing like now. That's the same time period when Jesus is born from when Malachi ends. It is that different. Okay, so things are really different. In five minutes, I'm going to highlight the five key differences. Are you ready? Put on your thinking hats. Okay, wait, I broke it out. The first thing is church. In the ancient world, the only place to worship was the temple, right? You went to the temple, and what did you do there? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yeah, sacrifice, okay? Um, when they come back, they also have a synagogue. And we don't know where this comes from. We don't know when it crops up. We don't have any idea. But we think it was because when they leave and they're separated out of Jerusalem, they don't have a temple anymore. And so they're like, we should get together and like talk about stuff and remember who we are. And that's the second part. They used to do the law and the prophets, right? Well, actually, they didn't seem to. But, <laughs> but, um, they seem to go through there, and then in here they're going to say, okay, what did I write? Oh, um, so they still do that, but now they're going to study a lot. So you'll see them going to the synagogue, and they're going to read the scrolls. They're going to read the scriptures. Now, in the ancient time, it didn't seem like they did very much, frankly, right? Sometimes, but remember, even like Nephi goes back, and he's like, hey, we've got to get the plates. It's not like, oh, let's get our Book of Mormon from our counter, right? right? They weren't just sitting around. They were hard to do. Uh, we do know that a lot of people read, but not as many as later. Um, I'm running out of space. The third one is the covenant. So the covenant that they made, right, whether they made the temple, but you'll see circumcision and you'll see um, sacrifice and the various uh, celebrations like uh, Passover, right, and the Feast of the Tabernacles. And so you'll see them celebrating those things at the temple. Um, and the only ones that they can carry through, that they carry through from the uh, destruction, are going to be the two that are really, really hit really hard in the New Testament, which are circumcision and the Sabbath. And I think the reason why is because they didn't have a temple for a long time. So they focused on the ones that they could. 
things that made them different, right? So they go back to the covenant and they say, well, the sign of the covenant is circumcision or adhering to the Sabbath. So they're really heavy on those. Um, but before then, like you hardly heard about it, right? Like the whole Old Testament. You're like, oh yeah, I guess. Sure. I don't know. We just snicker. Okay. And then the language is Hebrew. And by the time of even Ezra, they are speaking Aramaic, which is the language of their captors. It's the language of the area. So Ezra does the first translation of scripture. Okay. They can't even read Hebrew anymore. So they're like, I don't know what it says. Right. We speak Aramaic. And the last, the government used to be, you know, it was a high priest and a king, right? And now, it might be a high priest, but it's a government official from Rome. And before then, it was a satrap, satrap, um, a government official from Persia or um, Greece, okay? So groups kind of crop up out of these areas. Um, People that are really into studying and and worshiping and like really devout are called Pharisees. And they're just regular people, okay? There's a group that says, you guys are not doing the temple right. You've screwed up all the holidays, all the dates are wrong, everything's supposed to go by the calendar, the calendar is wrong, and we're gonna separate ourselves and we're gonna clean this up and we're gonna do it differently. And they're called the Essenes. And that's where you get, we don't know if it's them, but groups like the Dead Sea Scrolls. They break off and they say, man, this is all different. We don't like it, okay? Then there's a group that says, well, I can't read this language anymore. So a bunch of people get really good at studying these languages and they're called scribes. They'll tell us what it means, okay? Then there's a group at the temple that says, well, I know how this sacrifice and stuff works. And they're called the Sadducees which comes after the guy's name who was, his name was Zadok. And he was the kingly family back from Solomon. So Zadok, Sadducee, so temple. So we're, so we're the group that knows how to do this. We're the group that knows how to do this. We're the group nobody's right, we're right. Nope, everyone's not devout enough, right? And that's where we show up. That's where all these groups come from. Yes? Wasn't this all during the period of time of the Maccabean reign? Could be. The Maccabees could have certainly were before this, but they were even 200 years before this. So the Pharisees and these guys probably come after that, but their result. The Maccabees, um, the Greeks come in, and they, um, there's a revolt against the Greeks, and it's a family uh, called the Hasmoneans, and the guy's name is Judah the Hammer, and the hammer in Hebrew is Maccabee. Is that awesome? Yeah. Judah, the hammer is coming down, and he does. And it all breaks up after that, and they're back after that. But if you ever want to read the story of the Maccabees and the story of Hanukkah, it comes from this 500 years right in the middle. Um, good as clear as mud. So when you turn that page from Malachi, the law and the prophets, the church, the prophets, the covenants, the language, the leadership is all different, but that's kind of where it went to. And that's the world that Jesus is born into. Uh, and that's why I'm so glad you get to study it on your own next year. You don't want to teach us? I do. I'm I got another kidding. five hours on the exciting world of the Essenes. Does anybody have any questions? Uh, the scriptures are awesome. I'm grateful for the Lord and him giving them to us, and I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.